From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hi, I'm Jennifer Shep, Budget and Appropriations Reporter, and joining me today is healthcare reporter Cindy Raman. Because we wanted to take a bit of a step back on the CQ Budget Podcast from talking about the infrastructure spending debates and the debates between the Biden administration and Congress about top line spending levels for fiscal year 22 and start to talk about some of the policy disagreements that we're very likely to see between Republicans and Democrats in Congress once the House Appropriations Committee begins releasing and marking up its dozen annual government funding bills. And today we're going to be focused on debates around whether or not the federal government should use federal dollars to pay for abortion care um, in all circumstances. Um, And so, Cindy, can you walk us through just kind of the big restrictions around federal funding for abortion right now um, and sort of how long those have existed? Thanks, Jen. Um, So I think the the big thing to kind of pay attention to is the Hyde Amendment, which has been in effect through every federal spending bill for decades at this point, and it's always been bipartisan. Um, And the Hyde Amendment prevents uh, money from the labor HHS education bill from being used to pay for abortion, except in rare circumstances. So that's something like rape, incest, or save the life of the mother. And it's been so far pretty bipartisan to just keep that uh, restriction in place with all the funding bills so far. And so what's happening now is there's been a debate where Democrats are kind of wanting to push back on that and remove that restriction. Um, But it's going to be a tough fight on the Hill to see if that will be removed from the spending bill. And this is something that progressive Democrats have been advocating for years, removing this Hyde Amendment from the annual labor, labor HHS and education spending bill. And it's something that President Joe Biden made a bit of news on on the campaign trail, um, you know, when he was still campaigning to be president by saying that he supports removing the Hyde Amendment from the annual government funding measures. And he can sort of continued that campaign promise uh, last week when, the, um, when he released his first budget request for fiscal year 22. He, you know, left out language that would have suggested keeping the Hyde Amendment in annual funding bills. Um, but they didn't remove language from all federal departments. You did a really great story on budget request day. Um, the, the language is removed from health and human services, but is staying in two other departments in the budget request? Yeah, I think that was something that, that was really interesting that we noticed when we were going through the budget request was that, you know, the high language in Biden's budget request is taken out of the labor HHS education funding so that what he's proposing is that it would not apply to, to Medicaid funding. Um, so that, you know, Medicaid enrollees, if this were, you know, enacted, would be able to uh, receive abortions um, and have that paid for in the other circumstances. The the high language is in place for the Department of Justice and Department of Labor, which is not something that has been really talked about when the groups were kind of pushing to have that removed in the HHS funding. 
And so that kind of funding would break down to relate to something like, you know, the, the incarcerated population or other forms of federal prison or just federal workers who have insurance through the Department of Labor. So that's what that would kind of apply to. And it sounds like the White House didn't really talk about this when releasing their budget request and hasn't really explained why um, it sort of keeps that Hyde Amendment language or proposes that Congress keep that Hyde Amendment language in for justice and labor. It's not really been talked about. It's something that I have reached out to them and not really heard a clear distinction on. And some of the advocacy groups that I've talked to have said that, you know, this is something that they are pushing for, you know, in in future budget requests and just as their, you know, the appropriation cycle like goes on. But um, it's not clear why, you know, this was just the first step versus, you know, not a same policy throughout all of the budget. And so we have heard from several Democrats um, on the Hill in particularly powerful positions like House Appropriations Chair Rosa DeLauro that they plan to remove the Hyde Amendment from the annual Labor HHS and Education Spending Bill. But it sounds like Republicans are sort of uniformly opposed to this. And so what do you expect from the markup process in the House Appropriations Committee and then eventually Um, when these bills go to the House floor this summer? So last year, after um, it was decided that Rosa DeLauro would take over as House Appropriations Chair, she made it pretty clear that that was the last time that she would want the Hyde Amendment to be in the the House Appropriations kind of package. And so what we're likely to see is that, you know, whatever House Democrats put forward will not have um, high language in there. But I think as we move towards, you know, the markup on the the full committee level, you know, there are Republicans that are going to push for amendments, I'm sure, that will push to to put that language back in there. Um, And, you know, even after what happens in the House, it's kind of unclear how it's going to play out in the Senate because there's not been kind of a clear consensus on what the Senate plans to do, given that, you know, they would need the 60 votes to to make a change to to removing that language. And so do you think that there's any chance when Republicans offer, or, you know, we sort of expect them to offer amendments in the House Appropriations Committee markup to add Hyde language back in, do you think there's any chance that they can sway moderate Democrats on the House Appropriations Committee to their side? I think at this point, that seems unlikely. Like in the past, we've had, you know, you know when um, we've had uh, kind of the opposite happen when there were, you know, other abortion type language in, in the appropriation cycle that was, you know, undoing something that the Trump administration had proposed. And, you know, it's been pretty partisan during those markups who votes on what. So I think it seems kind of unlikely at this point that they would be able to sway someone. It seems like something that would rest pretty on partisan lines. But then the Senate is an entirely different story as it normally is. You know, committees um, are evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats. And to advance legislation on the Senate floor, you need at least 60 senators to agree to bring that up, which right now means that Democrats would need 10 Republicans to bring up any spending bill on the Senate floor. And we have heard from Labor, HHS, and Education Appropriations Subcommittee Chair Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, 
that she does not support the Hyde Amendment. She wants to see it eliminated from federal law. But we haven't actually seen her or Senate Probe's Chairman Patrick Leahy, a Democrat from Vermont, say that they will, in fact, remove Hyde language from the Senate's appropriations bill this year. And so how do you see this process playing out over there? And how does what the Senate ultimately does on Hyde language um, impact conference negotiations with the House, which will take place much later this year? I think it's going to be tricky. Um, it's much harder kind of to in the House, it's, it's gotten to a point where it's pretty partisan whenever they have voted on abortion related issues, whether it's appropriations or just, you know, authorization bills. Um, I think that the Senate makes it a bit trickier because there are, you know, some Democrats and some Republicans that might sway the line a little bit and vote depending on a specific issue. Um, so I think that is something to kind of, you know, keep in consideration, you know, if it is on the Republican side, you know, we have Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski who generally vote for abortion rights um, legislation. And then, you know, it's a little bit more complicated on the Democratic side, depending on the specific issue, but someone, you know, like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, or even um, Bob Casey of um, Pennsylvania, they have voted depending on a specific bill. So I think it's something to kind of watch going forward. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be kind of tricky, because even with, um, if all Democrats were on board in the Senate, and they had the two Republican votes, that's that's not enough to hit the 60 vote threshold. So it's kind of unclear what they're going to do if it would be a long process um, to kind of put Democrats on the spot or if it'll, you know, something that they're going to work towards doing over a long period of time. In the past, you know, even when either party was in power in the House um, and they have passed legislation on abortion, it, it never goes anywhere either way in the Senate. You know, there, there's never been the, the 60 votes in recent years for them to kind of get there. So it'll be something to watch, but it might not really make a huge change in the near future until we have 60 votes from either party. And the Hyde Amendment is the one amendment, that sort of policy language that has been in the spotlight during the past few months that has been getting a lot of discussion, but there are also a couple or maybe even several other amendments um, in throughout the annual appropriations bills that address um, federal funding for abortion services in various circumstances. Can you talk to us a little bit about what those amendments are um, and what you expect um, will happen with them in the upcoming appropriations process, whether or not they'll stay in, go out, or maybe be modified? So Hyde is definitely the big player here because um, that is something that a lot of the advocacy groups have been pushing for for a long time on the, the liberal side as something that they want to remove from the spending bill. And it has been in place for, you know, 40 years. So it's, it's, it's kind of the big ticket item as a lot of the um, people that want to see Hyde removed just said, you know, it's, it's a big barrier for, you know, low income women who might not be able to afford to have an abortion. Um, but, you know, it's part of the, the healthcare landscape that they should have access to. Um, so that is kind of the big piece kind of going forward. But there are a lot of different um, appropriations writers that are related to abortion. So I think the two that you should watch um, are Helms and Weldon. Now, both of those were not stripped in the Biden budget, but there are things that have been kind of pushed 
poor in in recent years from a lot of different groups. So I think the one that I would watch is definitely the Weldon Amendment, which, you know, makes sure that the, the government can't deny funding to, you know, an individual or a hospital or an insurance plan if they refuse to, to pay for um, or provide coverage for abortions. Um, so that could be removed depending on how negotiations in the House play out. But again, it would have an uphill battle in the Senate. And the Helms Amendment is not HHS funding, but it refers to kind of, you know, foreign aid for abortion. So um, giving foreign assistance to to groups abroad if they promote abortion rights. So that's also something that a lot of these groups have on their radar, but um, not in HHS funding. Okay. Well, these are all um, likely to be big policy fights between Democrats, Republicans, and possibly even the Biden administration during the next few months as Congress works its way through the fiscal 22 budget and appropriations process. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 